Hello, and welcome to Covered Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and your movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Price of Salt or Carol. The Price of Salt was written by Patricia Highsmith and published in 1952. And the film adaptation came out in 2015 and was directed by Todd Haynes. And the movie is called Carol. Mm-hmm. But the book was also called Carol at one point as well. Yeah, I read about that. It was like a re-release, yeah. right? Where they changed the name. Mm-hmm. And so was, technically both names are the book's name. Yeah, and was that when... Because I know Patricia Highsmith's name wasn't on the book originally, correct? Yeah. Was that when, when it was re-released? Was that with her name? I forget. Okay. I think there was one release where her name was attached, and then there was another release where... It was named Carol. I don't remember which one. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. might have happened differently or at the same time. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But yeah. Here so, we are. Here we are talking about another LGBTQ story. Yes. Also another book published in the 50s. We just did an episode on I Am Legend, which was published in 1954. So we're we're still in the 50s right now. <laughs> yeah. We're just, we keep going back farther and farther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, this is... Did we see this movie to no. no? I think I think we saw it together. Did we? Yeah. Like in theaters? I don't know if we saw it in theaters or if we saw it when it came out on DVD. Okay. Yeah, probably the other one. But mm-hmm. yeah, this movie was like up for a lot of awards. Yeah. Uh, Rooney Mara and... Um, Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, thank you. We're both nominated for it. Costume design, all that good stuff because it was in the 50s. And it was a pretty big movie. Pretty... Uh, Pretty successful and well-received. Mm-hmm. And I read recently on a list, like, there's a survey done for, like, best LGBTQ uh, movies. Really? And this was, like, number one. Oh, like, my gosh. ranked by people. Really? Yeah, I think partly just because, like, it doesn't have a horribly depressing ending. <laughs> yeah. Or even, like, <laughs> not too much of a depressing story in general. Yeah. But I think I remember reading that survey came out only somewhat after... The movie was released. Okay. So this was before Call Me By Your Name. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying. <laughs> forever number one in our hearts. It might be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're listening or if you're interested in other LGBTQ focused stories, we have done two other adaptations, Call Me By Your Name and uh, Blue is the Warmest Color. Yeah. And the Call Me By Your Name episode is one of my favorites that we've, we've done. Same. Yeah. I don't know why. I just loved doing the episode so much. It was so fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So please check out that episode if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, let's talk about Carol. Yes. Or The Price of Salt. Yes. <laughs> I love how on your book cover and mine, it says The Price of Salt or Carol. Yeah. I'm like, how much does Carol cost? <laughs> <laughs> the Price of Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the, the two stories... Actually, the movie begins a little differently. It begins with a flash forward. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Where we're following a total rando dude into a hotel, into a bar lounge area. Who He's ordering a cocktail. He's dressed like a 1950s guy, (laughs) like with a trench coat and a hat. And he's like, Jimmy, make it a double. (laughs) (laughs) You know what people in the 50s said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he spots... Therese across the room and approaches her and we see her sitting with Carol Mm -hmm. and it seems like he's totally interrupting something but he does not care totally oblivious classic straight male move (laughs) (laughs) this is our first uh clue into 
the obliviousness of the male characters in this story. Yeah. It's it's pretty funny. It's pretty bad. He comes up. He's like, I thought I recognized you, Therese. Like, are you going to this party? Blah, blah, blah. Like, totally oblivious to the fact that he's interrupting the two of them. And Therese is like, oh, yeah, I guess I should get going. And Carol ends up leaving. And then Therese leaves with this guy, Jack. They get into a cab and they're going to like such and such party. I really like the contrast. When Carol leaves, she touches Therese on the shoulder. Mm, yes. And walks off. And then Jack says, oh, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, pay my bill or wrap up or find someone. And he also touches Therese on her mm. other shoulder. And just to see them both like touch her on different shoulders and like her reactions to that is interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the flash forward that we get. And that doesn't happen in the book. That's solely in the movie. Yeah. And we get a great transition in this movie at this point where Therese is in the car with Jack going to whatever party this is. And she's looking at the streets and the people and just kind of like people watching. Mm -hmm. And there's a point where you see a train, like a subway train going and you glimpse through the cars at a person. But then you're like, whoa, that's like. Not a real person. Yeah. And you realize that now it's transitioned into like a model town. A toy train. A toy train mm -hmm. with like model people. And it's this really cool transition of how it like does it kind of on the sly. Yeah. Like you're not realizing it at first that it's you're a model not train. Attention. Yeah. But then we realize it's this model town and then Therese and we get some other little glimpses but I just loved that transition that kind of brings us back in time yeah there are a lot of like kind of surreal type moments in the movie that mm -hmm. I thought were really well done yeah um particularly when they're driving I was just gonna it seems say to happen a lot yeah in the car. kind of like dreamy yeah surreal moments mm -hmm. that are just like very uh just kind of like magical yeah and lovely mm -hmm. so yeah yeah a lot of really good filmmaking especially in those parts yeah so here we are in the present, the 1950s present, where Therese is this young 19 to 20 ish year old girl who is currently working in a department store around their busy Christmas season. Yeah. And <laughs> she has been given a dorky Christmas hat in the movie. Yeah. That I love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Therese talks about a lot in the book how depressing the store is. And she's only working there like as a, a temp basically for their Christmas season. But she looks at like all the women that work there on the regular and are like so old and sad and broken down and just depressed. And yeah. it's like, oh, my God, stop talking about this. <laughs> well, and the other really interesting thing to me was, you know, because that's so relatable for so many people, just like the soul crushing. Oh, yeah. Like corporate, corporate retail like, nightmare. Yeah. But the thing was, she was like looking at pamphlets and brochures about like, oh, if you've worked with us for 25 years, you can blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, like this was back when you would have a job like that for And then you just decades. stayed there. You just did that all the time. Yeah. And like you got benefits and stuff, which was great. But like you were there forever. Your whole life. And I loved the contrast of that to today. Oh, yeah. That's like, a huge contrast. Yeah. Probably so, seems a lot more horrifying to us. <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just loved that little kind of, you know, differentiation. Yeah. And as a kind of illustration for us of how this job can crush you. We get this weird side scene in the book where Therese 
kind of becomes friends-ish with this older woman, Mrs. Robichek, yeah. <laughs> who's worked at the store for like many years and also used to own her own like clothing shop and made her own clothes. But then like her health went bad and she couldn't open this, like keep her store open anymore. So now she has to work and be poor. And it's very sad. It's super sad. But Therese is like very disgusted by her. And this made me upset. Yeah, I I understood that she was like supposed to be the embodiment of where Therese maybe felt her life was going if she didn't get her own career. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, like just the years of wearing you down, like turns you into like someone who's very like feeble and like tired. And I get that, but it did feel unnecessarily mean. Yeah, I feel like she kept being like, wow, her face was super gross and wrinkly (laughs) and her hands were like disgusting. Ew. And she kept talking about like, Mrs. Robichek getting up from her bed and walking around and looking kind of like a monster-like? I don't know. The The comparisons were very odd to yeah, me. Yeah, and it was even worse because she was being super nice to her. Yeah, she was being really nice to Therese. Yeah, but the whole scene was like a fever dream. It was. It was very weird and surreal yeah. and creepy. It was very creepy. And I was like, stop being such a jerk, Therese. Like, she's just <laughs> trying to like feed you dinner, and then give you a dress. And you're like, it's too much. I can't stand it. I have to get out of here. I'm getting the vapors. I have to sit. (laughs) Yeah, this is, uh, we'll definitely talk about it more later, but like Therese definitely has some immaturity, more so in the book, I think, than even the movie. Oh, yeah. Some immature qualities. But uh, so she's working at the store. She's working in like the doll floor. Yeah. She's like, like she was like floor seven is where they sell dolls. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Like that's like all that entire floor was like dedicated to. Yeah. And of course it's Christmas. So things are absolutely nuts. And Therese is at the counter, you know, just doing her job when she spots her, she sees Carol across the store and is instantly struck by her. She's this blonde woman in her thirties with like this fancy fur coat these like leather gloves, you know, walking around with this air of like mystery superiority and like kind of um, like not smugness, yeah. but almost like this self-assuredness, self-assured. Yeah. Attitude. Yeah. I just picture Kate Blanchett, how she looks Kate all Blanchett the time in a fur coat. That's yeah. all you need. <laughs> I love how this is like this it, was made for her. It was. It absolutely was. They were like Kate Blanchett, be yourself. And that will be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they kind of lock eyes. And then eventually Carol approaches the counter Mm -hmm. and is in search of a doll. And they the scenes play out a little differently in the book versus the movie. I actually kind of forget how the book plays out. I don't know if you remember. Um, she wants the like suitcase that's in the display case or something. And Therese gets it for her, even though they're not supposed to give them like the display ones or something Mm -hmm. and then she ends up getting her a doll as well okay uh in the movie i actually kind of like the interaction a bit more where she wanted a specific doll that they don't carry and so then carol's kind of like a little bit overwhelmed about being there and just having to shop and stuff and she asks therese what would you want if you were four Mm -hmm. and therese tells her like a model train i've always wanted one and so carol gets one of those like yeah. she kind of like there's a little bit of like more personable a connection yeah exchange and uh Therese doing a bit more to help her out so I really liked that interaction yeah and Carol is obviously there to buy a gift for her four to five-year-old daughter yeah so she puts the train on order to be delivered to Carol's place but when she leaves in the 
movie, she forgets her gloves. Yes. And so she ends up, Therese ends up sending the gloves back. Mm -hmm. She has her address. She ships the gloves back to Carol. And in the movie, she just kind of spontaneously sends her a Christmas card. In the book. In the book. Did I say movie? Yeah. In the book, to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just go back and fix it in post. (laughs) It'll be like, in the book. (laughs) In the book, Therese is in, I mean, in both versions, Therese is kind of like instantly obsessed with her. Yeah. And just sends her this card just saying like, Merry Christmas from this store and this person. Um, and then can't stop thinking about her yeah. after that. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit more about Therese and her life, starting with her current kind of uh, strange boyfriend relationship with Richard. Oh, Richard. Womp womp. You, you big <laughs> dumb idiot. <laughs> uh, he, I do not understand his character at all, but honestly, I would believe that someone like this existed. Yeah. To be fair. I understand the movie version more than the book version, he, I think. He says that he's in love with Therese. Mm-hmm. Therese has told him that she doesn't love him. They're kind of dating. He wants to marry her. And she's like, I'm not ready for that. He also wants her to travel to Europe with him. And she's also kind of like, that's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) She hates his nails in the book. Yeah. She thinks his nails are very dirty. And he kind of annoys her a lot. But also, I think she's very lonely. Yeah. And And he's like the least annoying guy that she knows, essentially. Basically. Yeah. In the book, too, they have also had sex a couple of times, and she describes how unpleasant and painful and uncomfortable the entire thing was. Not only the first time, but, like, the following time, and how Richard was just like... You'll get over it. That's the way it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way the news goes. (laughs) Uh, In the movie, it's clarified that they have not had sex yet. Yeah. And I, I guess I understand... In the movie, or I'm sorry, that in the book, Richard's a little bit more of an enigma in terms of he's like a painter, but he's not really pursuing that. Yeah. And Therese likes him and she likes his family, but he annoys her a lot as well. Yeah. The relationship's a little bit more strange and hard to grasp, which is maybe more realistic. But in the movie, it is a little more simplistic in that it feels like they're both kind of in this relationship almost because that's just what you do at that age. Yeah. Like, these are the steps you take. Richard found a girl who he likes, and it's like, well, then, you, of course, you got to marry the girl and yeah. support her, and she'll then be able to sleep with you. And, yeah. and it seems like uh, Therese is doing the same, but is just not as invested. Yeah. In She's clearly not happy but doesn't have any other option until Carol comes along, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think of it as Therese almost like living in this like sleepwalking state. And she makes a comment, you know, because Richard, like later on when she starts spending more time with Carol, tells her that she's in a trance or that she's like half asleep or something. And Therese says, I'm wide awake. I'm more awake than I've ever been. Yeah. And I like that idea that, seeing Carol and talking with her has basically awakened her to like what passion and joy and like happiness in life really look like because she's had kind of like a sad past. Like we get, we don't get 
hardly any of this in the movie, but in the book, we do find out that like her father died and then her mom didn't really want to take care of her. So kind of put her in a boarding school and left her and then had like a, a second family, basically. Yeah. So Therese felt very abandoned mm-hmm. and lonely. Yeah. And we should also mention, I'm not sure if we've said this. She's 19. Yeah. Uh, at this point in the story. So she is very young. Yeah. Like she's really still figuring out a lot in her life and like not just romantically and sexually, but also just career wise and kind of like everything's a big mystery at this point still. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's Richard in a nutshell. Is yeah. He's just this totally oblivious dude. Idiotic. Kind of just, oh, uh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think that he has good intentions because he thinks that he likes Therese, but I think he likes her because she's just sort of like a chill person that yeah. will like let him talk and he can like kind of boss her around. But that's like what so much of relationships were, I think, a long time ago. Yeah. It was like, if you find someone you can tolerate, yeah. marry them. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you got to get, you got to jump on that baby making train early oh yeah you got got to pop them out quick yeah it is the 50s so (laughs) uh therese in the book designs sets for plays that's kind of like what she really wants to do yeah yeah i I really thought this was interesting i I get why that wasn't as adaptable yeah in the movie but in the book it was a very interesting career pursuit because she constantly talks about making cardboard models yeah kind of trying to enter this kind of interesting but like uh niche uh career path yeah making connections yeah meeting the right people getting the right stuff set up and as someone who is in like the creative field i thought that was interesting that specific route and like you know what she was doing yeah and this takes place in new york city so you know that is a good place to get started with that but yeah she has to like meet these specific people and talk to this director and then talk to this you know it's like very Uh, like you have to know people and find a director who will actually let her do cool, creative things. Yeah. As opposed to just like the same old boring shit. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, like you said, it's not super adaptable for her to like design sets. So they have Therese uh, as kind of a photography person mm-hmm. really likes taking photographs, mostly landscapes um, and doesn't really take pictures of people until she meets Carol. Yeah. And it awakens something inside of her, the need to photograph people when they're not looking. Exactly. (laughs) Artistic. Yes. (laughs) Catch her at her most uh, suave and mysterious as she looks off in the distance. Yes. But so this is a more film, uh, a filmable thing that she can kind of do. Yes. On their trips and stuff. Although I do think it would be cool if she was like making cardboard models and stuff. Yeah. Of these play sets. I, I don't know. I almost wish they had stuck with that. Route. I do like because they show the pictures that she has taken of Carol throughout the movie. Yeah. I think that shows like their intimacy and their love in a really interesting That's and true. beautiful way. And in just the, these vulnerable and intimate shots of Carol. She could just make a, a stage set that looks like Carol. <laughs> just like her hair's the curtains. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, I think that would be much more. That, that shows much more commitment to make a whole a set, a stage. <laughs> uh, anyway, where are we? <laughs> um, Carol and Therese have lunch. So Carol gets Therese's 
note in the book and the gloves in the movie and calls her up and is like, hey, thanks for the card slash gloves. Do you want to get lunch? Mm-hmm. And then they get lunch. Mm-hmm. And they stare at each other. Yes. This lunch, they don't really talk about much. They just stare at each other. Yeah. And Carol says that Therese was flung from space. That was a line that was carried over from the book that was yeah. kind of... In, it's so funny because Carol, she invites her out to her house that weekend. Mm-hmm. And Therese is like, yeah, sure. And then Carol goes, what a strange girl. Like, why would you accept... <laughs> why would you accept me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> you don't even know me. I think... And it's clear that Therese is like really into her. I don't think yeah. Carol can miss the fact that Therese is like... Yeah, whatever you will say, I will completely agree with. (laughs) Like, you ordered this for lunch, I'll order the same thing. You ask me if I want to do something, I'm like, yep. (laughs) You say, where was I born? I say, you smell good. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that weekend, uh, Therese goes out to her house and gets to kind of glimpse that, you know, you could already tell by her fancy mink coat that carol has money or comes from yeah. money and going out to her house kind of just reinforces that she lives in a very nice home has a live-in maid slash cook mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting too because like there's no husband around but i guess at this point she knows she's getting divorced yeah right mm-hmm. so it's just kind of the two of them chilling out in this big house together yeah and i really like these moments in in the book specifically just the time they spend together. Yeah. Because it's not just this visit, but there's other times in the city or other times Therese goes to her house. And yeah. Getting lunch, Carol coming over to Therese's apartment, Therese going to Carol Carol's house, them just eating breakfast or, you know, drinking drinks and listening to music. You know, it's just they're getting to know each other. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like we said, at this point, Therese understands that Carol is still married, but is in the process of getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. So her husband, Harge, doesn't live with her at the moment. Yeah. Harge. Harge. If you asked me to make up a name for like an upper, like middle class man. With like a square jaw. Yeah. In the 50s. (laughs) Like that's the name I would come up with. Harge is like... (laughs) I don't know. Like, yeah, probably drinks martinis and smokes cigars. And... Yeah, that sounds just like Harge. Yeah, classic Harge. <laughs> uh, and they have a child together who's four, mm-hmm. uh, named Rindy. And Rindy is currently living with Harge most yeah. of the time. And now that I'm thinking back, do we ever have a scene with Rindy in the book? We have a couple scenes. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if like Therese ever saw Rindy or it or Yeah, she's with her. not as present in the book. Yeah. They make her much more um of a character in the movie, which I like. Yeah, me too. Because it almost felt like they were always talking about Rindy, but Rindy wasn't really in the story at all in the book. No, and was Rindy as old? Or was Rindy as young as four in the book? No, she was five or six, I think. Okay, I was trying to piece that together because, like, they don't say her age. They just give, like, vague clues. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, trying to piece the timeline together. Or maybe a little older, seven, maybe. I was thinking, like, seven or eight, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I think because at one point she wrote a letter to Carol that was, I'm like, okay, she... I think is definitely older than four. So yeah, uh, but the Rindy in the movie is so cute. <laughs> oh my god, this little girl is amazing. 
she's just got like the cutest haircut and just the cutest little voice the cutest voice i know and she's always like mommy mommy i have this thing that i want to show you i'm adorable i'm like (laughs) no you're too cute i can't handle it if like you weren't already feeling for carol just being separated from her daughter like in the abstract yeah seeing her actual daughter you're just like you monsters (laughs) i know and you can tell carol loves her of course. Who wouldn't love that child? She is. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah. So Carol is part of the divorce is finding out who gets custody of Rindy. Yeah. And it's not like not all of the factors of the divorce are clear mm-hmm. at first. Yeah. In the movie, there there happens like there happens um an event happens that basically takes rindy from carol for a time and it's harge stating this morality clause as they put it basically casting doubt on whether carol is fit to be a mother possibly because of homosexual tendencies mm-hmm which in the 50s is like, yeah, you're psychotic. Yeah. Like that, you're crazy. Yeah. It's a mental disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Categorized as a mental disorder at that time. Mm-hmm. So, so Carol is like in the midst of dealing with all this shit. At the yeah. Moment. In the book, they're just separated for a time because of complicated divorce proceedings and things are just really stressful. And we're led to believe that just Carol is feeling very alone because not only are she and Harge separated and they're no longer living together, but Rindy isn't there at the house with her anymore. So I think she's very depressed, lonely, feeling like things are out of her control. And that's, you know, the time when she and Therese meet and they find this connection with each other. Mm hmm. Uh, let's talk about Abby and Danny real quick. Just a couple side characters. Yeah. So Abby is a good friend of Carol's Mm -hmm. and we have some, we have some different scenes between book and movie in the book. uh, Abby actually has a sit down lunch with Therese and Therese is like, what's the point of this? What like Therese likes Abby, but also she's like, who the fuck are you? Like she's very jealous. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Uh, and it's unclear, I think at the, at the very beginning, what Carol and Abby's relationship is, but it's later revealed that they knew each other. They've known each other since childhood. Yeah. And Carol and her eventually started having a sexual relationship while she was, while Carol was married to Harge. Yeah. And it was discovered. And this is kind of. Not the basis of why they're getting divorced, because they're getting divorced for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But this is the incident that is being used against Carol. Yeah. To take her daughter away from her. Mm-hmm. And she and Abby in the book, you know, had this sexual relationship, but then kind of fell out of love. But yeah. we're led to believe that Abby is still in love with Carol mm. and might be kind of still trying to be with her and might view Therese as kind of a rival. She makes a comment to Therese during their lunch, like, you win Oh, yeah, that is. I forgot about that. Like you win her, you know, Um, so that kind of led me to believe that Abby was still in love with Carol, but Carol didn't really feel the same way anymore. In the movie, though, she and Abby are much more 
of a solid friendship. Like they did have a sexual relationship and they do talk about that, but it was like five years ago. So, you know, they've clearly put that in the past and both of them have moved on. And in the movie, Abby actually mentions like, oh, I've got my eye on this redhead at this like (laughs) restaurant. Yeah. So they're clearly comfortable with each other and like with each other being moved on. Was it five years ago in the movie? Was yeah. It, okay, because in the book it's actually like a lot more recent. It right? was. It really like recent. wasn't even like it was like six months six ago. months ago that they yeah. stopped seeing each other. So I think that makes more sense that in the movie there's more time and separation. Yeah. Because in the book it's like that's still really fresh. Mm-hmm. I imagine. And yeah, which is probably why Abby was still in love with her. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. But. Yeah, in the movie, I really do like their relationship a lot. Me too. They're just very close, and Abby's one of the few people who is there for Carol. At one point, she makes the comment, Abby talks to Harge, her husband, yeah, and says something along the lines of like, well, you've done a good job at making sure that you're you're the only person in Carol's life besides me. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he, like all of Carol's friends were Harge's friends and... Mm-hmm. And, and isolated ba- her. Yeah, exactly. And he kind of is like controlling of her. Yeah. Which is like very toxic, obviously. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Abby's an interesting character in both versions. Yeah. Danny. Danny uh, is another straight man that we feel the need <laughs> to put into the story. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he's like better than Richard, I'll I'm, say. Yeah, I'm guessing he's just supposed to be like. Maybe the idea of what Therese thinks she should maybe want. Yeah. If she didn't like women. Um, Because Richard is kind of annoying. I think everyone can agree with that. Oh, yeah. But Danny is supposed to be like, oh, the nice guy. And like is genuinely interested in Therese for some unknown reason. And wants to be (laughs) with her, which is never explained. Um, But... He tries to kiss her at one point. I'm like, dude, yeah. you're supposed to be Richard's friend and they're like still together. What? What is your problem? Yeah, that, that was the kind of deal breaker for Danny in, in both versions. He kisses her in both versions, which is just like, nah, it's not, not, not good. That's yeah. not great. Yeah. But besides that, he is still better than Richard. Yeah. I think because Richard is just, he does things later that are just like so horrible and annoying and terrible but yeah danny's there as the uh the uh necessary straight male friend yeah (laughs) you know the the stereotypical yeah the token white male (laughs) of the story (laughs) let's talk about road trips yeah and so this is kind of more than halfway into the story in the book. Anyway, kind of halfway in the movie, Carol decides that she can't just sit around while this divorce thing is dragging on. She needs to get out. She's going to go on a trip. It's also the middle of winter right now because the Christmas season has just ended, but she's like, I gotta get out of here. It's super depressing. And she asks Therese if she'd like to take a road trip with her. And Therese is like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. So like, I don't have any money, but let's do it. That's yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, Richard is pissed and is basically like, this is the scene where he tells her that she's like half asleep and that she's in a trance and that Carol is going to like kick her to the curb in like two weeks and that she has a schoolgirl crush. It, it took L- Richard quite a while to piece together what was going on. Oh, yeah. He for was the, very oblivious. For the longest time, he's like, so who's this like female friend that you love spending time with? And... 
it, like ever since you've been with her, you've been distant from me. And remember that time you asked me if a woman could love another woman and yeah. what's going on with you? <laughs> Finally, he pays that little attention to her. The pieces click together and he realizes that, that she loves Carol. And so he's he's very upset about this. Yeah. Uh, and, and I kind of wanted to say, like, I guess at this point that I think something interesting that I don't think many of the male characters in this story are like very sympathetic. No. And that's totally fine. Like, they don't really need to be necessarily. Yeah. But I, I would like to, I, I do think that this story is just a good example of why growing understanding and acceptance of LGBTQ people in society is not only good for those people, but also for, uh, like, straight white men, too, to an extent. Because, like, you know, in these situations... Therese and Carol got in relationships with these men because maybe they didn't understand Mm -hmm. at the times like, oh, maybe I'm, you know, bisexual or gay and like they weren't allowed to explore that. And that was so like uh, stifling. And and I don't mean to be like, oh, also men like (laughs) I I, I don't at all. Uh, But it is just like, you know, these guys in these situations are like suddenly like totally thrown off like they have no idea what to even do yeah it's flipping their entire world upside down and it's just it's like in the long run better for everyone if people are under able to understand who they are yeah so they don't get into bad relationships Mm -hmm. that aren't good for like anyone yeah and not that this story was like i don't think trying to make that point at all but like that's something that i thought about just a little bit was like Oh, man, these men are so fucking stupid and like yeah. <laughs> all mixed up about everything. And like it really is, you know, th- this this kind of toxic uh, like set of rules and opinions of this time, like really was just bad for everyone, like all around. Yeah. And, you know, Therese, I don't know if Therese makes the comment that they wouldn't be happy together to Richard in the book yeah. or not. But I think she kind of is basically like we're you don't make me happy and I'm not going to be able to make you happy. Yeah. So we're like, I don't know why you have become fixated with me. And the more Therese pulls away, the more Richard seems to like want to keep her. And it is, it's very like, it's a possessiveness. It's a controlling, um, thing. It's not really love. It's just cause he like, doesn't want to lose her. Yeah. It's, toxic masculinity at, yeah at, at, and the like same thing peak. with the same thing with Harge. you know mm-hmm. he doesn't want to get divorced and in the movie it's more pronounced like he's very like you know we need to stay together he's even like physical with carol at times yeah. um and she's like it's not working between us like why don't you understand just very very like good examples of that toxic yeah. relationship and toxic masculinity it really highlights what these male characters how they react when they suddenly don't get what they want yeah and don't know how to like behave towards women that they can't like influence or like don't have control over yeah so i i, I do think that the relationships of straight men with gay women is interesting in this story and kind yeah. of like highlights a lot of things and a lot of problems that like, especially at this time, mm-hmm. I think we're probably very prominent. So, yeah, I agree. Um, back to the road trip, road trip. <laughs> yeah. A road trip filled with sexual tension. Carol and Therese are traveling together and this is a really big portion of the book and a decent portion of the movie. Not a lot happens. No. <laughs> it's just them traveling from town to town, staying in hotels, eating at diners, 
driving on the road, walking around towns, drinking drinks in the hotel rooms, Therese not knowing how to say how she feels to Carol. Yeah. I also was curious um, around this point how much Therese knew, like in both versions, because... In the movie, for example, we get a scene where Carol tells her about Rindy being taken away from her and everything. But it wasn't clear if Carol told her, like, why she Mm. was being declared unfit as a mother. Yeah. You know, it's not clear if she how much she confided in Therese about all that stuff. Yeah. Or whether it came up at all. So there was a little bit of like, how much are they both mutually aware of between them? I mean, I think at this point, they both know that there's something between them. Yeah. Carol can't be in any doubt as to the fact that Therese or Therese, I'm sorry, is obsessive with her, if not like absolutely in love, you know? Yeah. And I think the fact that Carol has brought her on this road trip has proven to Therese that Carol does feel something for her. And it's just that Therese just doesn't know how to say, I love you and I want to be intimate with you. I want to kiss you, you know? Like, let's sleep in the same bed. Um, And also, she's very innocent. So she's had sex with Richard, has not enjoyed it, has never been with a woman sexually. So there's a lot she doesn't know. No, but she's about to learn. Yes. Because eventually... They're rolling up into Waterloo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what turns you on more than... A town called Waterloo. 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 (laughs) (laughs) They roll into town. They... Get in a, a fine motel. Yeah. The finest. Is that where they get the presidential suite? I don't think so. No, no, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where they toast to President McKinley. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's finally in Waterloo where they just kind of come together and mm-hmm. finally share a physical experience together. Yeah. And it's a really sweet moment, I think, in the movie that's done very tastefully and uh, is very emotional in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the book because the book almost, if I remember right, kind of like. It's very abstract. Yeah. The sex is not described, which, you know, it's not surprising for the 50s. No. (laughs) Um, But it's very like Therese describes the experience as being like euphoric and she imagines her like self in space and like her spirit like flying through the air like an arrow yeah like it's very like abstract coded word wording for like like her experiencing an orgasm is basically how i interpreted it yeah and maybe it just felt it almost felt like oh and then this thing happened and then the next day but maybe it just felt that way because it had to be so like non-specific yeah to be published in the 50s yeah (laughs) but yeah it was um a good scene, and that's kind of like what a lot of this road trip is building to. And then in the book, it goes a lot more into like Therese wanting to be a little more intimate with Carol, like just in day to day life, like when they're out and stuff after they've had that experience. Yeah. But yeah, it's just them sharing this time together. Yeah. And they're happy for a while in the book. They travel more and they continue to sleep together and to be together. And Therese, you know, feels really happy and free and that she's finally found um, this happiness. In the movie, 
pretty much right after they sleep together, uh, Carol gets a telegram from Abby giving her shocking and terrible news, basically that Harge has hired a detective to follow her and to record and collect evidence against Carol. And in the movie, Carol immediately like grabs her gun from her suitcase, busts into the next door uh, hotel room, and this dweeby idiot <laughs> who has been in the movie a little bit so far that we have hated from the beginning yep. is there, and he has recorded their entire sexual encounter. Yeah, and he claims he's already sent the tapes. He's already mailed them. Yeah. They're gone. And Carol just kind of feels defeated mm-hmm. and doesn't really know what to do. In the book, it's a little more uncertain because there, she does get a telegram from Abby saying that a detective might be following them, but they don't know for sure. And then Therese is like, I think I might have saw a man a couple times, but I'm, I don't know. And then they're keeping an eye out. And then they see the guy and then he's following them and they're not sure how much he has recorded from them. And they have a similar confrontation with him with like a gun and, you know, being like, what do you have on us? And similarly ending where they find out he has some information on them now, but most of the stuff he's already sent back to New York. Yeah, I thought this part of the book was a little bit far fetched and weird, Mm. like maybe intentionally, but they Like, they figure out that this guy's following them. Yeah. So they're, like, keeping an eye out for him. They kind of, like, change their plans and go to some different places. Yeah. And leave it, like, in the middle of the night at points. And he's, like, always on their tail. Yeah. I'm like, how is he, like, I I don't know. It just seemed, like, really over the top, like, how, like, in how accurate he was in their pursuit and like always following them and always like a step ahead. Yeah. And it was kind of like, I mean, maybe that was intentional. Maybe, you know, Patricia, um, Highsmith Mm -hmm. really wanted it to feel like almost not supernatural, but like, yeah, like impossible to overcome as an obstacle. I'm not sure, but for me it was like how is this even possible? How's this happening? Yeah. I don't know how you felt about it, but I mean, I think it did build this sense of dread yeah. and suspicion and you know, they were so happy and then it's just like this comes crashing in on them mm-hmm. and they're being like hunted. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And it does make you feel for Carol and Therese that they have to like live this way. Mm-hmm. It's upsetting. It is. It's super. It's a bummer. You know? Yeah. You just want to take a road trip and then you got spies following you. I know. From your husband who's divorcing you. And it's awful. Yeah. And you're like, this is the 50s. You can't you can't be gay or bi. You can't do anything. <laughs> Nothing fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But when Carol realizes the evidence they have against her, she's basically like, I have to go back to New York. Mm hmm. In the book, there's also an additional problem where Therese wrote a passionate letter to Carol and then left it at Carol's house. Yeah. Which doesn't seem like a big deal. I actually liked I thought this was smart because it doesn't seem like a big deal. Yeah. But then when all this happens and Carol's like, uh, she has abby go back to her house to like collect some things yeah because she's worried about people like harge going to her house to look for evidence Uh uh-huh and then therese is like 
fuck like that letters there. Yeah. And she tells Carol about it. But then by the time they go back and discuss, it's already been taken. Yeah. So it's like another kind of like nail in the coffin moment for Mm -hmm. this whole situation. This letter that Therese wrote and left behind. Yeah. In the movie, they have like one last night together. And then when Therese wakes up, Carol is gone. And Abby is there. She flew out and is basically there to drive the car home with Therese because Therese can't drive. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I'm here to drag you back. Yeah. There's a scene where they're in the car together and Therese is like, why do you hate me? I'm like, excuse me? I know. I'm like, what the fuck? And I love Abby. She's like, "Uh, do you think I would like be driving you across the country if I hated you? Yeah. Cause, and that's like kind of like a, one of those like very immature moments mm-hmm. from Therese at this point. Yeah. She's kind of being sulky and lashing out at people. Exactly. In the book, Carol asks Therese to stay out west while she flies back to New York and deals with a divorce. And then she's like, once that's done, I'll come back out to you and we'll stay out here. And Therese is like, cool. Thus begins this subplot in the book where Therese just is out in a town called Sioux Falls for like a month. Yeah. And just like gets a job and then like sits around, goes to the library and is just sad. Gets a job. Yeah. You know, she's yeah. like, I have to be employed. It, it, yeah. It's like, I don't, I don't know. It was, I mean, it, it does a good job of depicting like this limbo. Yeah. That she probably feels like she's in mm-hmm. where it's like, what should I do? I don't know if I should wait or, you know, it, it does give you that feeling effectively. But it's also like, what what are you doing? Why like, is this happening? Yeah. why? <laughs> it's a very strange situation. In both versions, though, Therese does get a letter from Carol that basically says, listen, I can't be with you. Yeah. Because they have all this shit on me. And if I stop seeing you and I agree to stop seeing you and maybe go to like counseling and all of this like song and dance, I might be able to see my daughter for like a few weeks out of the year. Yeah. And this is God, you just feel so bad for everyone involved in this situation. Yeah. I mean, except Harge. Carolyn, <laughs> Carolyn <laughs> Therese, not hard. Yeah. Harge. But like. God, they're making Carol choose between Therese and her daughter. Yeah. And it's like, you can't blame her for choosing her daughter. No. But it's still, like, just really sad for everyone. Yeah. And it's just a, uh, it's not a great, not an ideal situation to be in. Should we talk about the painting? What? Yeah. Let's, (laughs) let's try. Let's try to talk about it. Because I don't even know. I don't know either. So, in the book... Therese reads this letter from Carol basically saying like we can't see each other anymore and then goes to the library and goes up to like the third floor of the library and she looks and there's this painting that looks like Carol and then she implies that there was like a miniature of it in the boarding school where she grew up. Yeah. And so it's like is this picture of Carol haunting her or is like she destined to be with Carol because this was like a painting she grew up with and she like attach some significance to it and that's why she was attracted to carol yeah what the way it was set up in the book she was like looking around the room for like a sign as to whether like she would see carol again or something like any kind of like contradiction to what she was feeling i think is how it was phrased and she sees that letter and like she describes like the woman 
in the image as being uh like looking like how do I want to put Hottie. it? Hottie. Hottie? Yeah. I, define hottie for me. Hottie. Uh arrogant. Okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of superior. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of uh smug. Yeah. Almost. Mm-hmm. And so almost like gl- gloating or like the fact that like this isn't gonna work out. <laughs> and then she like moves in the painting. No, yeah. She doesn't, but <laughs> it like freaks Therese out though. And it, she has like this whole hysterical episode about it. And then I wouldn't have cared except she brings it up later. Twice. Like many times. And is like the painting. And I'm like, did I not understand what happened with the painting? Because I don't understand what happened with the painting. I totally, yeah. It was one of those parts where like I kind of glossed through. Like, okay, I get it. She's looking at the painting and she feels bad and it looks like it's making her feel bad. But then when it kept coming up, I was like, what? What's going on here? Did I not understand something? I'm not quite certain. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, I do want to take this moment to talk about Patricia Highsmith okay. as a, yeah. as a person. Um, so I didn't know a lot about her. She obviously wrote Strangers on a Train, which was uh, adapted into the Alfred Hitchcock oh, yeah. movie. She wrote this one, and then she also wrote the talented Mr. Ripley. I did books. read that. Yeah. Um, and she was actually a lesbian, and. She originally published this book um, under a different name. And it's super interesting because at the end of this version of our book, there's like an author's afterward. And she talks about how she actually was working in a department store for a while. Yeah. Around the Christmas holidays. And she saw a woman that looked like what ended up being Carol and was just kind of struck by her. Yeah. And didn't end up like talking with, I think maybe she sold her something um, really briefly, but was just kind of felt obsessed with her. And that night went home and wrote like the outline for like eight pages that was like the whole plot of this book. And then the next day, she realized that she had chicken pox. Yeah. <laughs> and so she had a fever and she talked about writing this book in a fever and that she felt like under the influence of a fever for the idea of this story. And what's interesting too is that um, I've read that Patricia Highsmith actually based the character of Carol on one of her lovers Mm, that she yeah, was with. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, this woman who was very wealthy, was kind of like a socialite, um, kind of high in society, and they had a very intense emotional and sexual relationship. Um, but this woman actually um, got this divorce, and the same thing happened, what happened to Carol, is that her husband got a detective to tape her having like sexual relationship with a woman. It wasn't Patricia Heisman and used it to um, take away her daughter from her. That's crazy. That's so insane. So this is like kind of based in a lot of truth. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's very interesting. And Patricia Heismith herself is a very fascinating person because she's kind of very, from what I've read, very rough mean kind of crude not crude but was known for saying like very rude kind of racist type (laughs) things yeah and was very like was an alcoholic you Mm. know very depressed 
um, throughout her life and just dealt with a lot, but kind of didn't want to be known for her sexuality, which is why she ended up publishing this book under a different name. Yeah, I, I, I remember reading that she published it under a different name. Yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't know about the detective mm-hmm. following the woman. I knew Carol was based on a woman that she knew, but I didn't know about the detective aspect of it and how true and horrifying that is. But yeah, yeah, it's really sad. And she when when she was actually working in this department store and saw the woman and had the idea for this book, she was working at this department store because she needed extra money because she was spending all her money to go to a psychotherapist to cure her of being gay. Oh, my God. Yeah, because she was engaged to this guy and she wanted to make it work with him. (sighs) So she was in psychotherapy to try to cure her of her homosexuality before eventually giving it up. <laughs> and she can't, she sounds like a very funny, but like bitter person. Like, I guess she made the comment, like she, she wrote extensive diaries and made a comment in her diary. Like my psychoanalyst has suggested I go to like a therapy group for like women who feel like they are gay, but are trying to recover. <laughs> she says, maybe I'll seduce a few of them. <laughs> that's like what i always like these kinds of groups and shit are horrible yeah like the like the uh church the christian conversion therapy conversion therapy and conversion camps like they're terrible atrocious things but there is such an irony to like hmm all these people are attracted to like the same sex let's corral them all together <laughs> into a situation where and they'll repress meet. them to the point that they have to lash out yeah <laughs> i'm just like how does this not backfire more than it like i'm sure it does i'm sure it does backfire more than it like succeeds yeah in what they want she does give it up she stops trying to cure herself of this. And throughout her life, she has many affairs and lovers, uh, never really settles down, never seems to find happiness at all. So I think she lived a sad life. Yeah, but at least she found some people that she could be with and have relationships with, even though I'm sure it sucked at those times because you had to like hide it and, Mm -hmm. you know, couldn't be open about it. So, yeah. Where are where are we? Uh, Carol went back to settle her shit. Therese in the book stayed for a while and then went back to New York. Yeah. And let's talk about the the resolution. Carol has a meeting with her lawyers. And we actually this is something I liked in the movie a lot. We get a lot of scenes with just Carol. Yeah. From her perspective. Yeah. Because the book is entirely in Therese's perspective. But the movie we see Carol uh, talking with her lawyers and these scenes. And there's a really great scene where it's her and her lawyer, Harge and his lawyer and some mediator mm-hmm. where they're arguing about is the psychotherapy Carol's doing working mm-hmm. and is she allowed to see her daughter and what they'll bring up in court if it goes to court. And Carol is just, you can tell she's just hanging on by a thread. Yeah. And she finally just has to interrupt everyone and is like, listen, I love who I love and that can't be helped. Yeah, I can't do this anymore. And I love she gives one line like, what good will I be to Rindy if I go against my grain? Yeah. And just saying like, if I can't be who I am, I'm no good to anyone, basically. Yeah. And she says finally, like, she 
relinquishes custody of Rindy to her husband. Yeah. But is like, I want to see her. Yeah. Like, you can't keep me from her forever. And if you try to, we'll take it to court. Mm-hmm. And it'll be ugly. Yeah. But it's just like, it's so sad that she has to choose this. Yeah. That she has to, like, let go of her daughter. Yeah. And. But it's so true, you know. How can she live half of a life and pretend that she isn't who she is? You know, even for her daughter. Yeah. You yeah. know, to deny like a part of yourself, a huge part of yourself. Um, you know, you completely understand where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. It's really sad in the book. It, it's a little bleaker. It is. Where Carol kind of loses like they do. They don't go to court, but they basically present the evidence so that she has no like hope of surviving. Um, so Harge gets full custody and she's only allowed to see Rindy with occasional super supervised visits. But Carol feels like she's lost completely and has lost all hope of having any connection with Rindy. She makes a comment later. Like I know Harge will like poison her against me. Yeah. And if she lives with him, he's going to like tell her all this stuff about me. And what is she going to believe? I've lost her forever. She's like, I'll let Rindy choose if she wants to see me. Yeah. And if she chooses not to, I won't like fight it or I won't pursue her. Yeah. And it's so sad because you understand where she's coming from. And the idea of like giving up your daughter that way is unimaginable. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, you can see why Carol thinks that's just like the best decision for her and and you understand why she chooses that. But yeah. it is very bleak and very kind of upsetting. And she knows she has pretty much zero options in terms of like legally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She has no way of pursuing that. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, Therese is kind of climbing up the social ladder of her career pursuits. Mm-hmm. In the book, she's meeting people to do stage plays and kind of like, getting everything lined up in that way and in the movie she has a uh, a photography job yeah at the uh is it the wall street journal no at the times at the times mm-hmm. so yeah so she's kind of like she she has matured a lot yeah in the few months that we've seen her in this story oh she's yeah. not wearing her dopey hat anymore or her even, headband even though it was cute yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's now dressed pretty sharp and looking good Mm -hmm. and just kind of like figuring figuring things out essentially like everything outside of carol that was kind of up in the air with her life she's kind of getting settled and locked in and And then she hears from carol and carol says can we meet and the two of them get like a drink or lunch or something they meet somewhere and basically, Carol tells her about what happened with Harge and with Rindy yeah. and says, I've kind of lost and I have given up and I am living in an apartment now and I have a job working in a furniture store. So her life has completely changed. Yeah. And she's basically like, uh, would you live with me? Yeah. And, you know, this is a reversal from her being like, we can't be together because I need to be with my daughter. And now she says, no, I want to be with you. Will you still have me? And then Therese, to all of our 
infuriation says no. Yeah. And we're like, what? What? Come on. <laughs> like, I, I don't, it was just like so annoying. Like, I, I get it. She was still upset with um, Carol and probably just at least needed to process everything. Yeah. If nothing else. But they kind of, and this is when in the movie that oblivious. Oh my God. Straight. White man shows up, yeah, and is just like Therese. Oh, hey, Therese. Hey. This is literally after Carol's like, "I love you." He's like, "Hey, Therese." Oh my god! <laughs> I really did like that foreshadowing at the beginning, though. It was really interesting to see the two of them, yeah, in a like before you even know who they are, mm-hmm. to kind of see them through someone else's eyes, because a, a lot of the setup for the story is seeing people in an environment at a distance. Yeah. Like the way uh, Therese first sees Carol kind of across the store before she knows anything about her. Mm -hmm. And Therese is actually just kind of like watching people all the time. Yeah. Kind of like from this vantage point, which relates to like the miniature train set and everything. Yeah. And Carol, I think, shares that a bit too. There's a scene where she's watching the train set that she got from the store kind of longingly. And to have that kind of be established at the beginning through this totally rando dude. Yeah. Seeing the two of them and kind of like not really knowing who they are, or what's going on. I usually don't like foreshadowing mm-hmm. scenes like that, like flash forwards in movies. But I think this one was really effective, actually. Yeah. I th- it has so much more significance at the end when you see the way they part and those shoulder touches. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like a slightly different shot. For the mm-hmm. scenes when they happen the second time, which I like too, that you're seeing like a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah. And yeah, I really liked it as well. Yeah. So Carol's like, I have to go to this party at blah, 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 like the address. And then mm-hmm. Teresa's like, okay, I got to go to this party as well. Yeah. So they both split off to go to their mutual parties. Because mm-hmm. that. Is the life everyone in New York lives in the 50s, I guess. They're always just going to cocktail parties. Going to parties. What are we doing tonight? Let's go to a movie at nine (laughs) and then get dinner after at midnight. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like what they do all the time. In the book, Therese is going to the party because it's like work related. Yeah. In the movie, it just seems like a bunch of friends. Um, I want to just briefly mention the book party scene because Therese is there and she catches the eye of this actress yeah. who's there who's kind of famous and people know her and she kind of looks at Therese too and Therese has this moment where she's like oh shit I'm gay <laughs> like since, since being with Carol yeah. her, her gaydar has been like turned up to 11 she's like I see everything now yeah and I think that this moment is meant to signify to us that Therese likes women in general and her attraction to Carol wasn't just like a one-time thing. Yeah, it, it's it's a larger, and it's interesting how they like they establish that, but they also reverse it in that she realizes she's attracted to women in general. Mm-hmm. But then after talking to this actress for a minute, she kind of realizes like, oh, I actually don't think you're going to be that interesting as a person, like yeah. more than you are now. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes her realize like. Carol was special. Yeah. Even though I like other women, Carol wasn't like this anomaly in my life. Mm-hmm. She was, I'm in love with her and I, I care about her. Yeah. And I think she was kind of holding on to maybe the thought that she could be with Danny or something. Yeah. 
that maybe they could be together in the future because he kind of asks her to be with him later on. And she's like, I could be straight. Like Carol was a one-off. And this episode is basically being like, no, I like women, but also Carol is the one that I love and the one that's special and the one that I want. Yeah. The movie kind of does. It's interesting because it seems like they tried to do their own version of this. Yeah. But not cut it. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, she's at this other party and it's more of like a house loft party. And a woman enters who, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, shit, that's the woman from Portlandia, Carrie Brownstein. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen her in a movie before, which is why especially like I noticed. And she's there and there's one scene where Therese talks to her, but we don't even actually like it's from like across the street through the window. Yeah. So you don't even see Carrie Brownstein that well. You just kind of like, I think, figure out who that is. And then... Therese is smoking a cigarette in the bathroom and then she goes. Yeah. (laughs) She's just like bored. Yeah. She sees Richard at one point. He's dancing with a chick. He glares at her. The party's really boring. Yeah. (laughs) And you get that idea that the party's boring and she probably misses Carol. Yeah. But the whole thing with the fact that they established her noticing Carrie Brownstein Mm -hmm. Seemed very significant. Yeah, like they were setting up something. Yeah, but then the amount of conversation and interaction they had was like not enough of a payoff for establishing that moment. Yeah, they clearly either cut scenes or wrote her out of the story. So I didn't I didn't really understand why it was there in the first place. But I do really like this moment in the book because it's sort of this epiphany yeah. for Therese and leads her to leave the party and go and find Carol. Mm-hmm. So she... She goes to the hotel bar that she knows she's at. Yeah. She tells the 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 guy seating people to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> more or less. Uh-huh. And she sees Carol from across the room. They look at each other. They lock eyes. They smile. And we know it's it's like a perfect ending because they're not like, oh, and then they lived happily ever after. But it's like, and now they're going to try to be together. Yeah. Now that... Now that Carol doesn't have the ball and chain of a husband and a child to worry about. Exactly. Therese has her all to herself. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, this was in a lot of ways a very significant and impactful ending, especially for the time that it came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. For 1952, most of the movies and the books that concerned homosexuality, like none of the characters could end up happy at the end. Yeah. And I've heard this cited, and I don't know if it's 100% true, that this is the first lesbian book that has a happy ending. Yeah, which I'm kind of not surprised about given the time that it came out in. There is a similar thing in movies that I'm aware of that was like the Hayes Laws or the Hayes Code, where essentially if you did depict a homosexual character... Uh, basically, they had to die at the end. Yeah. You had to show that, that they were punished, they were for, punished they for their sinful ways. And criminals basically. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Criminals, too. Like, that's kind of what birthed, like, the noir genre. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, even sex in general was, like, basically prohibited. Mm-hmm. Which is why in noir, they were, like, kind of always, like, sly and talking, like, sexy under, like, like you know what I mean? Like, innuendos. Innuendos. Uh, yeah, but that was all because of the Hayes Code. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sure books had a similar uh, standard that they had to follow as well. Yeah. And there were a lot of like pulpy kind of, I'm quoting, like 
quote unquote trashy, like, you know, romance (laughs) novels that were lesbian in nature. But at, at the end, they all either killed themselves, had nervous breakdowns, uh, got into car accidents. Jesus Christ. Um, went back to being hetero magically, uh, or just lived in like isolation and depression for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Some really great, great stuff. (laughs) Oh man. How disappointing must people have been like picking up like kind of a, a trashy, like sexy novel and like, Ooh, this is going to be good. This is going to be steamy. Yeah. And then you get to the end. You're like, Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) they all died. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But Patricia Highsmith talked about how she got tons of letters from people over the years thanking her for writing this book. Wow. And basically being like, yeah, we don't all kill ourselves. Some of us are pretty happy. So (laughs) it's nice to see myself reflected in this book a little bit. Or like your book gave me hope that, you know, I could be happy or, you know, I, you know, don't understand my sexuality and your book like helped me figure out a bit. Well, and it's amazing how those tendencies of killing your queer characters have still carried over today. Oh, yeah. Like it is only now that we're really getting like some pushback for some that. pushback and some some stories about um gay relationships that aren't like super depressing or have yeah. happy endings. Like for the longest time, all those stories were like really grim or yeah. like really dark. And also the tendency to make the villains gay. Yeah, that too. That is also not not positive, not great. <laughs> and it's still kind of like carries over to today. It and does. like And hopefully we'll get to a point where that can happen again without that like negative context. You know what I mean? Of like yeah. it being like nefarious because they're gay. Because mm-hmm. um, I want I still want gay villains like yes. to an extent. I just don't want those two things to, to be, be paired. Tied. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like they're. A villain because they're gay. Yeah, they're yeah. a villain and they're gay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's another reason I like this book and movie is because, yes, the themes of like the consequences for being gay at this time are touched on. And it's yeah. definitely a part of the story. But it's not a depressing like. And then they were killed in like a mob because everyone hates homosexuals are just like a reality yeah. or like they were institutionalized and lobotomized, you know, like all this crazy stuff or someone like murdered them. You know, it's like, yes, there were consequences for them and they like, you know, Carol lost her daughter, all this shit happened to them, but they could still have a hope of being happy. Yeah. And that's really fantastic Mm -hmm. that we get to see, at least some glimmer of hope in this story where there's like a lot of struggles and problems, especially for Carol. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Therese just worked at a store <laughs> like at, at a shitty job for a bit. <laughs> and then she got to go like travel around. Yeah. And then she like <laughs> finds this like sexy, a little bit older, rich woman that she can just be with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Now let's get to the most important question. Yes. The reason we do this podcast, Adina. Our reason for living. Yes. <laughs> to find out, without a doubt, which is better, the book or the movie. I think I'm going to say the movie. How dare you? <laughs> I'm also going to say the movie. I do like the book. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, Therese can be a little annoying in it, though. Mm-hmm. She's very immature. She's very dramatic. Oh my god. And gets god. Up, like very up and down with her emotional turmoil. And like that's fine. 
I totally get it. She's 19. She's figuring out her sexuality. Completely understandable. But I kind of like the understated quietness of the movie. Yeah. Where it's just the two of them kind of circling each other. And it doesn't delve too deeply into like the complicated emotions of the main character. I would kind of liken this a little bit to Call Me By Your Name. I was just going to say that. The book where it really gets into like the brain of Elio, the main character yeah. in that story. And it's a lot at times. It is. And this is one of those stories that it kind of annoys me where, and I'm talking about the book, where there's all this, um, uh, there's all these like questions about like, oh, then they they said something that seemed this way. And then the next moment they said something else that seemed a little bit more like what this. What did they mean? But they had an expression that said <laughs> the, the opposite thing. Yeah. But then they were cold later. And like, like no one changes on a dime that quickly mm-hmm. with how they're feeling. And also no one's perceptive enough to like really like nitpick the exact reactions of people. And it just feels like unrelatable in a way. And I know that in both of these stories, they are trying to show us how in a time like this to try to figure out if someone was on the same sexual wavelength yes, with yeah. you is very complicated. And there's definitely more of a kind of song and dance, a little bit of a game, like trying to figure things out. But um, yeah, Therese can just be a little bit much as a narrator. Yeah. Um, And I did like some of the things they changed in the movie, shortening the scenes of Therese with the painting and being out out west and then um, kind of just speeding things up a little bit. And I liked the representation of Abby in the movie. And I also liked that Harge and Carol's relationship was explored a little bit more in the movie. We get to see some of Carol's perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. I. All those things I I totally agree with. I thought also the movie was filmed like very beautifully. It is very beautiful. I don't know the specs exactly, but I I remember reading that it was filmed on a film stock that was like maybe not used in that time period, but was reflective of that time period. Mm -hmm. So it had like a grain quality to it that felt like the photography that maybe like Therese was doing yeah, uh, at the time and like the colors of it feel like old photography mm-hmm. in a way. And so I, it's a really beautiful film in that regard as well. It's very atmospheric in the cinematography and also in the score. I really mm-hmm. liked the music in this. Yeah. Yeah. The music was very good. I, I enjoyed that too. It also has a quality that's like, almost a little cheesy with the time period. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's smoking and yeah. like some of the dialogue Drinking martinis. Yeah. And some of the dialogues kind of a little cheesy, like mm-hmm. in that time period, but I kind of like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean the book was, was good and I liked it and it expanded on some things that were interesting and mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed, but overall I just think the movie, I don't know. I, I like, in the same way with like Call Me By Your Name, I like the silence in a scene as opposed to like the inner Between monologue. Between two characters. Yeah. yeah, where there's just kind of like the looks in their eyes that you are left to interpret as yeah. opposed to being given this interpretation by the character. Mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. And this movie was also directed, the director is gay. So I do like that that is representative. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's also 
good good to know because when i saw it was directed by a man i was like ah dang it like <laughs> but but you know having someone in the lgbtq community direct it is is very good so mm-hmm. yeah so it's the movie for both of us movie shall we go into the lightning round let's do it i was say so first up for lightning round I saw this reference and I thought it was funny. And then I looked it up later and I realized it was true. So early on in the book, Richard talks about wanting Therese to read this book that he really likes Mm. called The Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, which is written by James Joyce. yeah. And I think he wants her to read it because he thinks that he's like an artistic young man and is like, "Mm, I'm into it. You should read this. And Therese is like, oh, I don't really like James Joyce. I prefer Gertrude Stein. Oh, yeah. Gertrude Stein is gay. Oh, yeah. She's a a queer woman. That's right. So I thought that was like a cool little like lesbian reference Mm. at the beginning that kind of gives you a hint to like Therese being a lesbian later on. Yeah. And I also remember Richard's reaction being like, how could you even read Gertrude Stein without reading James Joyce? (laughs) Like he was like, oh, he was so pretentious. I hated it. Yeah. Uh, So the production design of this movie, it being in the 50s, was obviously very important. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest little important elements was carol's coat Ooh, i love so, her coat. oh yeah her 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 mink coat her fur coat so the uh the, the costume designer had a very specific vision for this coat she knew she wanted it to be light in color mm-hmm. uh so not very dark but also not white and she also had ideas for like how it should be like built and formed so she was like on a on a spree trying to find a coat mm-hmm. that fit her all her criteria and one would be the right color but not the right shape one would be the right shape not the right color so they ended up taking a bunch of coats cutting them up <laughs> and then sewing them together into a new coat for oh her oh my god which was good except this coat was literally falling apart like every day oh my god like every day it was just like in tatters oh And they would have to, like, during lunch, like, frantically, like, sewing it back up and, like, fixing and repairing it. Oh, my God. Because when you think about it, it's just a coat of, like, rotting animal carcasses. So, like, no wonder (laughs) it wasn't holding up too well. Oh, my gosh. But it's just funny to think that, like, this coat was, like, barely holding together, like, the entire movie and it was constantly being fixed. That's so funny. (laughs) Another thing for Lightning Round involving Richard, he sucks In the book, he writes this letter to Therese and it's basically like at the end of the book, he's like, "Okay, I've given up. I don't love you anymore. You disgust me. Like basically is telling her how she's disgusting because she likes women now. And in the book, he writes her the letter and he says to her, he says, um, you're like living on lotus blossoms or some sickening candy instead of the bread and meat of life. Isn't that disgusting? Oh, God. He's like, oh, you're like eating candy instead of like meat. You, and I'm ne- like, you, you need my meat Ugh. is what is what he's saying. It's so disgusting. Get <laughs> out. Get out, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> my final lightning round, I-, I read this and I laughed so hard. Essentially, when this book first came out, they actually did write someone wrote an early screenplay adaptation, <laughs> even though there was like no chance of it ever being made at this time period. Yeah. What time laws. was this? Like it, the 50s. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> or, or like maybe the 60s. But I'm pretty sure like right when the book came out, they wrote a screenplay adaptation. They were like, of course not. We're, we'll never make it. And there was consideration briefly. I don't think they ever wrote the script, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> of doing like a version where Carol was a man. What? Named Carl. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god. What would the story even be? I have no idea. Oh my god. Not a clue, but Carol was almost Carl. Oh my god. <laughs> that is awful. I I couldn't I just I just laughed so like I can totally see how they thought that was a good idea at the time. Oh my god. I almost kind of wish they had done it just so we could see oh my god. how they would even make that work. Like Carl's like, oh my my bitch wife is divorcing me and taking my child. And, yeah. And he's like, Do you want to go on a road trip with me? With a younger I don't, what what a weird what an odd, yeah, odd story. Oh my god! <laughs> but that's lightning round. That's lightning round. Thank you so much for listening. This was a great episode. Love doing this. Yeah. Glad we had a chance to do it. Um, if you like, you can email us at cover to credits pod at gmail.com. or find us on Twitter at cover two credits. That's with the number two. Let us know your thoughts on Carol, uh, on the book, any other stories you want us to cover whether lgbtq related or not like Mm -hmm. we love getting suggestions but it's worth noting that our patrons our lovely lovely patrons yes do get first priority in suggesting episodes yes so if you want to support this podcast you can find us on patreon Mm -hmm. and you know any amount is more than appreciated and if you can't you can find us on Apple Podcasts and leaving us a review, even if it's just a star rating, is tremendously helpful. Yes, we seriously appreciate it. And we appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast. We love doing it and it's so fun. And we love hearing from you. So definitely reach out. And uh, next episode, we will be doing Murder on the Orient Express. Murder. I'm excited <laughs> to talk about this one. Me and too. that's the, the newest version of the movie that came out with uh kenneth branagh directing mm-hmm. directing wasn't he also starring in it oh yeah yeah because right. he has that that crazy mustache ridiculous mustache, mustache. <laughs> <laughs> i'm so excited yes <laughs> so tune in next time for that and we will see you then all right bye bye